Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back and relax, and let's talk about what is going on in the stars above us. And of course, you can see this morning, I have my favorite two guests, Pia and Cullen. Thank you guys for joining me this morning. How are you? Our pleasure, and we are delighted to be here. Good. Suddenly, my sound went down. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Can you hear us? Yes. Now I can. It wasn't you. I just had the sound down on my headset. Um, But welcome. And it's always a pleasure to have you here today. And there are so many things, places we could go today to talk. Well, (laughs) I have a very special announcement. You do? Yes. Okay. Take it away. It's very short. (laughs) Pluto is going to leave Capricorn and move into Aquarius exactly three months from today. (laughs) Yes, but he does go back to Capricorn. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. Yes, but we're getting to the end of this whole Pluto and Capricorn thing. And you know, the world is exploding around us because of it. kind of an insane world that we are looking at at the moment. I mean, not any more insane, I suppose, than it was during the pandemic or any more sane than it, you know, insane than it was, you know, in any other big thing. But it just feels to me like everybody's coming undone. That is a very good way to describe it. That's exactly what we're noticing. It feels like things are unraveling and falling apart, and it shows up in all kinds of ways. Yeah, we're experiencing this absolutely on a on a daily, daily schedule. It's incredible. Yeah. I don't know how many times in the past week I have said, I am never coming back to this planet. <laughs> <laughs> We are right there with you, hands up, going, we're we're done with this planet, too. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, well, why in the bleep am I here? Well, two, two, re- two reasons to your, first your statement and then your question. <laughs> okay. Your, state, your statement is, no, you're not coming back here because this planet is not going to exist in the way it's been existing for eons of time. The second oh, part in the same state, you mean? Yes, yes. Okay. The second part to actually your question is you're here for only one reason. <laughs> Sir, you're here because you have been of service for ever. And that's why we're here. We came here to clean up the mess. We clean we came here to help people figure it out. That's what we've been doing. And our reward is no, we're not coming back. <laughs> I'm done. I did my part. Uh, I don't know what on earth is going on, honestly, anymore. It's so hard to keep putting a face on it that is of positivity and that we are evolving. I mean, you know, I'm just like any other human. There are going to be those days where it's just so hard to keep going on. And then other days where you're like, oh, this is such a beautiful place. And I love having my family and being able to have friends and hang out with each other and all of that. It's these bigger things where, I don't know, is it just freaking stupidity of people? <laughs> you know, I... <laughs> you you, you must, must... You must have been, spent the day with us. You, you, must, have, you must have been... 
on our discussion today, we we went from where we live in a small mountain village, pretty high in the mountains, down to sea level where we live to go shopping and do all the errands we needed to do. Yeah. And I swear we saw more stupidity. Thank you for using that word. We saw stupidity in everyone's actions all around us all day long. Not to be judgmental, but sometimes that's the only word that fits the circumstance. Yeah. And to me, what it's not the it's not the individuals like all of us, you know, like and and there are always going to be those people that do dumb things and you just kind of shake your head and go, whatever. <laughs> I'm talking about the big dumb things that are going on in 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 the United States, in Israel, in Palestine, in you name it, Ukraine, in Russia, in it, it, it's just stacking up. And it, even in, in this country, who sets out to kill a six year old Muslim boy? Did you guys hear about that story? No. A little, a little six-year-old boy and his mother attacked for being Muslims. The little boy died, six years old, and his mother was stabbed pretty badly. And I'm like, oh my God, you are kidding me. You know, it's like, you know, these things that aren't necessarily happening in this country trigger the crazy in this country. That was weird trigger the crazies in this country to do things in response to something that's not even affecting them, like Islamophobia or, um, you know, hating or anti-Semitism and things like that. And I just don't get this. I don't get it. Well, it's, it's not gettable. It, it, <laughs> it, it's, it. Same people can't get something that is insane. Yeah. Our, our friends Larkma told us years ago, and they told the public, I think in a, in a public presentation, maybe four or five years ago, they made a statement that was very clear. And they said, you are going to see mental illness and chaos in the coming years that you have never, ever experienced before. And they told us that years ago, and it's now actually coming true. We are experiencing this. We are seeing this. And it, it, and as you said earlier, it's all around us. Yeah, it's all around us. And some days it just feels so much harder to deal with than others. I mean, as a person, I know that I can only uh, really control myself and my own responses and my own emotions. But some days, wow, it is just piling up on us and and then you add any challenges that you're having in your own personal life to it all. And is it any wonder this is a nation, a, a world that's sitting there on Prozacs and Wellbutrins and anti-anxiety and anti-psychotics and kind of crazy. It is. It is. Janet, yeah. Jim, wake up one morning and before you even get out of bed, you know something in the world is off. You don't uh -huh. know what but you can feel it and you don't find out what it is maybe for a couple of hours, but then it shows up and you go, Oh, that's what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We're having a lot of days like that. We are. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what you want to talk about during our, our discussion today, but we are in the midst of the eclipse season. And as we all know, this is a great opportunity to let go of things that don't serve us. It's, it's, it's a perfect time to let go of things that don't work. And we have the opportunity right now 
between the two eclipses to really look deeply, to really assess what's going on, what doesn't work, how can we help, how can we change, what can we get rid of? And this is the time for people to wake up and really, really make some movement. Yeah. And, you know, from a, a human design perspective, the sun uh, is moving through all of the different gates of the spleen center right now. And that's a center that triggers survival energies, right? It brings up the fears and the shadows, um, mostly so that we can release them, you know, or heal them or let them go like baggage, right? That things that we no longer need. Um, but if there's a bunch of people out there that are totally in the dark about anything spiritual, and there is, um, it makes it hard to really see, you know, how is it that these, you know, transits of these planets through, you know, this particular center is actually aiding in our consciousness, but I can guarantee you it is. And it's, it's just, it's up to each of us to just sort of go with this flow and keep the light hold the light and share the light with people. This is why I come on here Mondays and Fridays. Well, you're talking about the spleen energy. We're also mm -hmm. in the earth energy system. We're in the most emotional of all of the earth energies, feeling energy. One feeling on, well, that was on the eclipse day too. Yeah, Yes. exactly. Yeah. So we're right in the middle of all of it. And you're right. All we can do is ride the wave and, and do what we can to be of service and keep our own vibration in the light. Yeah, I, I had a T-shirt that I loved years ago, and it showed a rooster, a little a little caricature of a rooster, and underneath the, the rooster it said, wake up. And I loved wearing that T-shirt because people would look at me and go, what do you mean? What does that mean? And I'd say, it means wake up. It means look at the world differently. Look at yourself differently. Yeah. And that's exactly what we have the opportunity to do right now. We had this week, we had the opportunity for a technician to come and repair something in our home. And he had on a great t-shirt too, the picture of a brain and underneath it, it said, use it. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that. Maybe we should send that to all the leaders of the world <laughs> or our gift to you from your people. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so funny. Um, so anyway, it's just been, you know, one of those kinds of weeks, I think. And I, I forgot totally that one feeling was the uh, beginning of the week. So that makes sense, right? While all of these crazy emotions are coming up and I see today we're sitting at seven seeing, tell us about today. And then I'll ask a couple other questions. Well, seven is the midway point through this energy of 13 days. So it's the point of merging, the universal energy of merging. So we're merging whatever it is we're experiencing with how we think about it, how we respond to it, how we connect with each other, with other realms. Merging is a fantastic energy. Seeing is about on the downside, lower level of the energy is about getting caught up in the details so much you lose the big picture. At the higher end of the energy, it's getting things done because you see the details that need your attention. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. But I'd like to also add, we're also at the end of this period of feeling, we're moving into breathing energy before eclipse season is over. Breathing energy starts on Friday, a week from today. The eclipse is to... The day after that. The day after that, right, on the 28th. Yep. So 
actually breathing energy is one of the most unstable energetic periods there is. <laughs> so one thing we go from emotional to unstable. <laughs> everything's going to shake loose. Everything that we're feeling is going to be coming up to shake loose so we can do it differently. At least I've got my fingers crossed that that's what it's going to mean. I choose to interpret it that way. Yeah. We always, we always like to take the high road. If, if, if there's ever the choice between the low road and the high road, which in a, on a planet of duality, it, we always face that no matter what the circumstance or what, even the astrological or, or whatever system we're looking at or using. And if, if we choose the high road, it's possible to change everything in us and around us. So if people would understand by using these tools to actually make a, a, a conscious effort to use the, the, best, the best ideas, the best emotions, the best feelings, it would, it would change everything. And, and we try to encourage people in the work we do to look at the difference between the low road and the high road, what what vibration, what frequency are you choosing? What kind of choices are you are you going to make? I like to think of breathing yeah. energy, the high road and the low road, as I like to think of the breath. The low road for breathing energy, the destabilizing part, is when we're separate. You know, we have an in-breath and an out-breath. And if you think of them as two different things, instead of I'm breathing, it's very separating. But if you think of it as unity and unity, you have to have both parts, the in and the out to unify to make it whole. So I like to think of this period as if you take the low road, you're judging and blaming everybody who's different from you. If you take the high road, you're saying in Lakesh, we're all one another. We're the same. We're the same. I'm another yourself. And some of this stuff is what I'm going to be talking about in the workshop I'm doing in November, how to use the tools that Colin was just talking about to learn how to use these energies, to navigate them, to be able to be of higher service, complete the mission that we're here to do. Right. So this is, that's a great segue, Pia. So share. So that is on November. I'm going to type this in November 10th through 12th, right? Yes. 10th, 11th, and 12th, an hour and a half each morning. So it doesn't take up your whole day. It's going to be very interactive. It's going to be a very personal gathering for this interactive so people can share their experiences as I'm disclosing what I'm sharing. Um, come, come enjoy it. And they give me the link real quick where people can go. PiaOrlean.com slash workshop. All right. And then I'm going to show that on the screen as soon as it stops popping around. PiaOrlean.com forward slash workshop. That's to sign up for the workshop for November 10th through 12th or 10th, 11th and 12th in the hour and a half or so in the mornings, right? I think you said it was 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, I think it's eight o'clock Pacific time. Okay. Eight o'clock Pacific time. And I so think it might be workshops with an S on the end. I'm not sure. Might have so, an S on there. Okay. Let's test our hypothesis here. So Pia Orlean. <laughs> dot com forward slash workshop page not found so definitely workshops so let's fix this uh i'm going to unshow it how do i hide it there we go that's the word okay so let me fix that now and okay perfect 
this is this is also um, I usually when I do workshops in the past, I've always provided a recording that people who didn't get to participate can go back in and they can purchase the recording. I'm not going to do that this go round. Anybody who participates in the workshop will have a recording automatically, but mm-hmm. there won't be a recording for other people to buy after the after the fact because it's going to be so interpersonal interactive. And this has to do with um, learning how to apply the, the wisdom of the calendar and the astrology. Is that right? It has to do with that. And it also has to do with how to look at your karmic patterns individually. Everybody in the workshop will get a brief view of what their mission is, what their gifts and challenges are, karmic patterns and how they apply and how that works with pleading with energy astrology. Uh, shortcuts on how to find your shadow cycles so you can be prepared Themes for the shadow cycles, what each shadow cycle brings is a theme. And the phases of Venus, as opposed to the Venus star information, which I covered in the last workshop, how the phases of of Venus impact your relationships. I love it. And speaking of Venus, we have a Venus phase change coming up here on the 23rd. Um, Where are we moving there? Let me look because I don't know. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) I, I I saw it just before we came on air. I guess I could look it up in our little Adam Gainsbourg book. It's fullness. We move into fullness, which is a great oh. thing. Something really, really got to feel good to us. Venus will be very bright. It feels really good. It's a, a shining energy. So our light can go out more. And the reason I don't know what phase is coming up is because these days I'm living day by day. <laughs> What's the energy today? I seriously understand what you were talking about because it's hard to keep looking forward. Like usually by now, at this point of the year, I would already have started looking ahead at the next year for um, the astrology uh, workshop that I always do at the end of the year. And I have not, except to know the big things like uh, Jupiter conjunct Uranus this, this coming year. Uh, Pluto's move again into Aquarius, but anything else I couldn't even tell you. I just, I can't mm-hmm. seem to get beyond today. Today, <laughs> we're we're experiencing that in in a really big way. Years ago, we used to always know where we would be speaking, what we would be doing, what book we would be writing. We would know three or five years in advance. We had to let go of that a couple of years ago because we can't be that future oriented anymore. And as you two are speaking about this, I'm reviewing what you're both saying. And at this point, it absolutely is day by day. It is indeed. It is indeed. And, And that's a good thing, I think, honestly, because so far in our future, in our history, we have been very, um, I don't know, obtuse, I guess. We I, we just can't seem to work on, if we can't get the day down, how do we get the week down? How do we get the month down? How do we get the year down? I think we've always been so focused either backwards in time or so far into the future in time that we can't really, you know, the, there's no breath, there's no living in the future or in the past yet. So we have to come to the now. So maybe it's a really good moment for us to learn about being in the now. I think that's absolutely right. And that actually is basically what Larkma has come to humanity for, to teach us that very thing, that that if you're in 
a mode of, of living in the past, which doesn't help anybody, or projecting into the future, which we don't know what's going to happen anyway. If, if we're doing both of those things, we're not living life as it's presenting itself energetically right now. And that's, that's absolutely one of their biggest messages is not only live in the moment, but enjoy the energy that's present now. Enjoy what yeah. is available. And it, it changes our lives by, by using the calendar or using their astrological or their wisdom information because it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. And Pam, that is such a good point. Pam Zaruba says, LOL, future or back the now, leaving the cross of planning behind us. And that that's a reference to the major evolutionary leap that we will uh, be going through in 2027, at least as we view it through the human design template. Uh, energetically, humanity shifting from uh, the perspective of, you know, all the planning and the bureaucracy and the government and all of the, you know, laws and rules and sets up to being more of the Sphinx. We'll be in the Sphinx energy. Uh, the incarnation cross will be the uh, sleeping Phoenix, which does seem a little more casually um, note or rooted in the now, in this moment. So that is meant to go into effect in 2027. It's 2023 now to almost 2024. So we are darn close to this, what will amount to an evolutionary leap. And not only is it just the changing of the cross here, and by cross, what we mean is the destiny of the next 400 years, right? So this is a big cycle. This isn't just going to affect us individually on any given day. This is the energy shift of 400 years or so. And uh, that's monumental if you think about it, because none of us on the planet now were here at the time we shifted into the cross of planning. So we have no experience with anything except that energy as a, as a, uh, as a planet or as a species. So it's going to throw us into, and we already sort of see it, right? In, in various countries and so forth, there seems to be this move of against big government, against bureaucracies, and against all the institutions. You can't get what you need from the institutions anymore. So what's the, the need? The next need is to be self-sufficient, to be able to do for oneself without having to depend upon the government um, for anything, and that is also a part of where we're headed, right? To be able to be more self-governing, be more self-aware. And in the body, the energy circuitry changes. So that'll be, you know, this is a big story. So uh, I'm giving just parts of it. But when we look at our human designs right now, we are one third angel, if you will, one third human and one third animal energetically. That's not to say that you're an animal, right? <laughs> Don't go wrong there. These are just the three big energies that are within us. As we walk forward, we begin to lose that animal aspect. Not that we won't love animals anymore, but we will have a completely different, more compassionate view of animals. So, you know, one of the thoughts going forward is that more people will not be able to continue eating meat because of that part of us isn't going to be entered. It'll be energetically out of whack for us to mm -hmm. do that. And instead mm -hmm. we'll become 50, 50, basically angel 
or divine and human, where we've had this other animalistic, the survival, um, instinctual, animalistic part of us, right? So it's a big change. It's a huge transformation. Mm, it's big. Huge. huge. And, and I'm not sure yet. I'm not altogether convinced it's going to be something that I think if we know about it and we're willing to you know, move with that energy within us, it will impact us. But I think the biggest impact comes from the people that will begin to be born at that time. So they mm -hmm. set up the future for what will be much different than where we are right now. So I have hope, right? <laughs> as, yeah. as bleak as things look on any given day right now on planet Earth, it looks like we are moving in a, a good direction. And we always know, we, we have all these things we say, like, it's always darkest before the dawn. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's always the struggle uh, before things become easier. That's where we are, the yeah, struggle. I have, I have one more thought about what we're talking about. Uh -huh. Talking about relying on thinking about the past or or hoping for a better future or a different future that keeps us sped up we we talk a lot when we talk to you and others and what we write about about the fact that that humanity society is so sped up mm. technology has sped us up in in a in a, a ridiculous way since the dawn of the industrial revolution for the past 300 years, we've gotten intellectually faster and faster and faster. And I don't think our emotions or our, our core self, our spirit or soul has been able to catch up to that speed that, that, that the industrial revolution and technology has forced us into becoming. The mechanizing and, of life. Absolutely. And systematizing so, of life. Exactly. So the yeah. point I want to make is by living in the moment, as we've been discussing together today, actually, that is a way of slowing down. If we're living in the moment, we're not thinking about what we used to be like or what happened to us before or what we're hoping will happen in the future. We can simply concentrate and be in the moment right now. And in effect, that will automatically slow us down. And I think that's what humanity needs right now. I think yeah. we need to take a big breath and slow down. Yep, yep. It's interesting because the last time the big change happened, like this evolutionary leap that I'm speaking of, the last time that happened was just pre-industrial revolution. So the late 1600s to the early 1700s, that shift occurred and you know, moving it to the cross of planning, which is very bureaucratic feeling, right? But it helped us organize, right? We could organize things into, in there. It's, I'm not saying that that was a bad thing for us because, you know, everything is right and perfect as it is the, in the unfolding of the consciousness on the planet. So now, though, we've taken it too far and it's so complex and it's so crazy making um, that we have to break down in order to change, to be able to move into the next um, system, the next, whatever you call it, next time period. And that next time period, just like the industrial revolution, there will be some kind of movement that changes 
that starts to move that energy. I don't know what that will be. I wish I did. I'd probably make a million dollars just thinking about these ideas. <laughs> but something will occur that will create the opening for that next um, uh, evolution. So we'll see. We'll, well see what it is. I, I have an inkling of an idea Ooh. that that may be the opening of the heart in a way that it's never been opened before. It may be a step away from the mechanized, as you as you said a moment ago, the mechanized way of systematically doing things. Maybe we will actually rely on what our heart's wisdom tells us instead of an intellectual or a mechanized way of organizing life. Well, that's a big deal too. And one of the the gates in the human design that's involved with this cross of the sleeping phoenix is the 55 and it is a gate that sits in the emotional center that's all about the spirit of abundance mm -hmm. and how we align with that and how we are all intrinsically designed to have all that we need mm -hmm. that seems to say that we're moving away from greed and maybe even away from capitalism or away from those big money systems that have kind of made this like two-tiered um, system in our in our world, right? The, the, the moneyed or the very wealthy and those that are down toward the bottom of that wealth grid, if you will, or that wealth cycle. So I expect that there will be some kind of move along with the fact that we're moving into this age of Aquarius that will somewhat even out that playing field where mm -hmm. money won't be that big you know right now money if you have money the rules don't apply to you right but you do whatever it is you want because you have money you can buy your way out of the courts you can buy your way into whatever that won't hold the same water when we move forward mm -hmm. so I would think that that would be another big hit that we take somewhere along. A big change will be in the financial sector, how we um, how we view money, how we use money, how we pay people. Um, it, it's almost like suddenly the values of um, the world change. That sounds so amazing, and I'm so ready for that. And I'm laughing to myself when you're saying money can buy just about anything and thinking, oh boy, you mean these people with really rich cars will stop stopping in the middle of the road and blocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I, I think about it in terms of like money in politics, for example, like the whole idea of what the people want or need or what's in the best interest of the country goes down the toilet because of money. Right. And instead, it's what, you know, what's going to make the corporations more money or what's going to make the government more profitable. And then they this whole idea that it will trickle down to help and benefit the people is BS because it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Right. That's part, <laughs> that's part of the big illusion that we've been fed all along that 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 will be the case. And it was never the case. I mean, it. It, it it was to be perfectly frank here that was a big lie all the yes. way along yes and another sector that is going to be changing is religion Rel another big lie right or the, the the truth being so watered down and 
that it becomes a mechanism for fighting and for war and for killing one another, killing a six-year-old because you might have, you know, this idea that Muslims go around creating terror around the world. And so every Muslim that you can kill is a good thing. I mean, really? <laughs> you just... I just finished writing a book that is talking about all of this. It'll be out the 1st of November. Oh, but you've I... got to send me that book or how to get that book because that is... <laughs> Yeah, I'll let you know when it's available. Sure. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Because that's the thing that really gets to me is that, you know, there's these upside down thinking. Mm -hmm. How is killing anyone going to make the world a better place? Yep. Yep. That was, that was one of Gandhi's absolute things to share with humanity when, when he said, um, an eye for an eye makes us all blind. Or he, he used many metaphors in, in that same genre of idea that you just brought up. Yeah. It doesn't help. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't change anything. All it does is perpetuate what doesn't work. And I think, I think it would be really wonderful if humanity would start listening to wise people that, that were trying to explain things to us all along. The truth was always there, but it came yeah. from such a minority that, that the collective never really caught on to what they were saying. And today is the day to start listening to these wise old aphorisms or these wise old quotes because they were totally instructive. We just didn't get it. Yeah. And I think we did not do ourselves a favor in this age of, um, the industrial age and the industrial revolution where we kind of played down the mystical and the magical um, in favor of science, right? It, it, they, ha they have to, to be in balance. I'm not, you know, I studied science. I was, I went to college to be a biology professor. I mean, that's what I was going to do. Um, so science has its place, but unfortunately science has taken away from the magic and the mysticism, right? And that those people are sort of relegated to being irrational or, you know, not with it, right? If, if you're if you're excited about UFOs or about seeing, you know, uh, the impacts of meditation on uh, creating peace on the planet, or if you want to create peace on the planet, or you want to preserve the trees, you're seen as some kind of weirdo, <laughs> you know, some kind of fringe, uh, marginalized uh, group. And that has not served us at all. It's taken the the connection part of being a human and part of the world uh, away from us. Absolutely, Th that that's something I could talk about for days on end. Science has compartmentalized everything. It has it has taken the wholeness out of the uniqueness of who we are, what the planet is all about and separated everything in such a dualistic fashion that it hasn't served us. And many people have said science is the new religion. And unfortunately, it really is. It, it has become the answer for everything. And the trouble with that is, if we look at, at what people say, follow the money, this may sound strange, what I'm going to explain, but if we follow the money, we can find that almost all science today is funded by two groups. 
the military hmm. and the university academic world, every piece of research, and I mean this sincerely, is skewed. Every piece of research is blindly telling people what the new fact is, what the new the, the new conclusion is. And unfortunately, money is behind all of that experimentation, all of that study. And everybody's statistics are as incorrect and not truthful as any other illusion or any other lie. Yet, the public believes if science says this is so, we must believe it. And that right? is the that is one of the biggest fallacies about science today. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And it's just another case of, you know, science taking over from religion and saying, you've got to follow us, right? We're the right ones. We have the right path to, to salvation, even though they don't word it like that. I was just reading an article yesterday and I cannot, I, I was sort of reading over it quickly. It was about a drug that's out there on the market that, um, actually has benefits for a protection for the heart and for the kidneys and uh, helps reverse diabetes and all these different things. But the drug companies are going nutsy cuckoo crazy because they want more drugs that target specific things so that they have more money they can make as opposed to using this one drug that can pretty much cover a lot of bases. And I, it, it's another, you know, one of those upside down thinking things. It's like, okay, we, we need to have 10 drugs to do what one could have done that was cheaper to make and cheaper to give out, but they're not interested in that. They're uh, not Jen, interested in that. Amino acids work, work like what you're talking about this drug does. The amino acid L-carnosine works on the heart, works on the brain, works on multiple systems, circulation, multiple systems in the body. It doesn't just target one thing, but that particular amino acid will target everything in a certain pattern within the system. So why the drug companies don't do that and catch on to it is simple. They want money. Then the compartmentalization means they can sell a drug for each part of the picture. And whether they contradict each other or counteract each other has no bearing on their decisions about what's best for the person, for the patient. Yeah. You know, yeah. not, um, all three of us could get on the drug companies and have quite a little conversation. Right. Probably, you know piss off a whole lot of people because they like the drugs. Oh, that's our job, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. 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 That's what I live for. Um, I I was just watching the show last night. Uh, I love Josh Gates. I don't know if you guys know who he is. He does all these expedition shows and he calls himself a skeptic, yet he's always presenting the most interesting and out of the ordinary um, things, topics in his shows. But one thing that really caught my notice, uh, they were talking, they were in South America. I want to say they were in Peru, like the just at the edge of the Amazon rainforest. And somebody got cut and they took some bark from a tree and the guy chewed it up a little bit. And then he put it on this guy's, uh, which was a, a pretty major cut. And the guy's like, well, what are you doing? He's like, this bark, it's antibiotic and it kills pain and will help the healing of this, of your cut. So simple, just pull a little piece off this bark of this tree, chew it up a little bit just to get the sap rolling and put it on your boo-boo and wow, right? Nature is everything we need. What's this guy's name, Josh what? Josh Gates. 
Okay. Um, the show was oh. called, uh, I think it's called Expedition X. Okay, we'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. That's he, how goes into, he goes into these, you know, weird places and does these weird things. Like they're after uh, looking for proof of Sasquatches and UFOs and all mm. kinds of fun stuff like that, which he says he's a skeptic about. But what he presents is all of this evidence <laughs> for these things. And uh, it's funny. And Londa's asking what amino acid it was. L-carnitine, did you say? Carnitine, yes, carnitine. Carnitine. So and there's yeah. always an L in front of it if it's a... Yeah. L. Yeah. People Carn who have um, arrhythmias in their heart or any kind of heart blockages or circulation problems, um, anything that has to do with not circulating the blood properly, headaches, erectile dysfunction, anything in that category, L-carnitine will address that. I use that with some of my patients. I can't call them patients. I'm not an MD. Some of my people that I consider <laughs> alternative health, I recommend carnitine for them because it helps so many different things. Uh, hold on. I'm typing. Some people are asking for the name of the show and the name of the guy. Besides that, he's cute as can be. And... He, he's got to be a Gemini because he just is, he's like the perfect combination of Tom and me, like goofy on one side, funny, jokester, and serious on the other and brings them together as <laughs> a perfect person. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked, we have talked very enjoyably about everything under the sun. <laughs> what, what do you have to share astrologically? Good question. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, today, the moon is in Capricorn, your favorite sign there, uh, Colin. And the focus for the time being is to move toward practicality, responsibility. And here, what are we talking about this morning? These things that uh, that were, um, we should be really looking at. But the moon also represents our emotions, our instincts, or our intuition, and our needs. So while Capricorn is you know, a sign of structure and form and discipline. The moon is all of that is pretty much not form and structure and discipline. So sometimes we can feel uh, a little off when the moon is moving through Capricorn. And that's because we are moving more toward being serious during this period of time. But we can also become much more determined to reach our goals or to take the next steps toward an ambition or something that it is that we are tr trying to really create. But we may also become really aware of our limitations or the challenges that lie before us in trying to get to wherever it is we want to go. Um, but we also have a dose of perseverance and the uh, tenacity, determination even to stick with it. So it's an interesting time. The moon in Capricorn can help us plan for the future, even though it's very much in this moment, um, but we can also have more energy around organizing, amassing resources to get to do what we need to do. So what we need to do with the moon in Capricorn is to balance our emotional needs with our rational ones, right? So we've got the mind and the emotions that we need to bring into a balance. And then as well, not neglect our personal life for our professional one, or vice versa, because Capricorn very much represents the professional lives that we lead, and the moon represents our connection to home and family and to our uh, persons, right? The persons in our lives. Now, the moon is in uh, Capricorn all day today and all day tomorrow. 
it has a six minute void of course on Saturday. And the void of course moon is when the moon stops making any new connections to other planets on her uh, transit until she changes signs. And typically that can be anywhere from a couple of hours. So I've seen it as long as, you know, almost 12 to 15 hours, but we have it for six minutes this weekend from 11.01 p.m. tomorrow night to 11.07 p.m. <laughs> Small void, of course, moon. No one is going to notice. And then the moon moves into Aquarius where things become a lot more detached emotionally but in a way that allows us to see more clearly, to be more objective about uh, what is happening. But it's also a sign where we can become more inventive and innovative, uh, more independent minded than usual. So the, the bulk of the weekend, Sunday, uh, all of Sunday, it'll be time to embrace your originality, experiment with different ways of doing things, um, we may also feel drawn to um, uh, humanitarian causes uh, or projects. Um, so that changes up this energy today uh, into the weekend of being wanting to be more of service, perhaps. But it's also it's also a sign ruled by the planet Uranus. So sometimes we also feel more rebellious or more restless. Uh, things may be more unpredictable. So often I say with the moon in Aquarius, expect the unexpected. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing or a bad thing. It just means like brilliant genius moments or, you know, new openings to move somewhere or new blocks that can come in and uh, start causing us trouble. And then that can start us craving freedom. <laughs> so the weekend is kind of a mixed bag as far as the moon is concerned. But the big thing that I really wanted to share with people this morning is this idea that the sun right now in human design is moving through the gate 50, which is a gate that sits on the spleen center. So any anytime there's a center, I mean, anytime there's a gate on the spleen that is triggered, it has a dual role of either creating a pathway to success for us, or sometimes on the other end, it can be a place of fear or paralysis. So we have to watch that in our own selves. So the gate 50 is uh, called the gate of values. And it's a gate where it's the theme of values that we hold individually, but also that we hold as a society, maybe even a culture, or as humans, right, uh, on earth, what are our values? And the responsibility that comes with kind of walking your talk, right, living from those values. Like, you know, for one thing in this country, we can say that we value freedom, but we have the highest instant inc incidences of people in jail than any other country. Now, does that mean we have more criminals in this country than other countries? I, I'm not sure, right? I don't want to get jump into that. But that's an instance where we say what one thing that we value, but then on the other hand, we act against those values at times, right? So there's that going on. So this whole transit of the sun at the gate 50 challenges us to question our values and then to see if we are aligned to them do they align with our true self or our uh, higher purpose on the planet? 
right? If you're living out one value, but you're doing things counter to that value, then you're not in alignment, perhaps with your sole purpose. Mm -hmm. And it can work the other way around too. You may say you value something, um, but you constantly, you know, maybe you say you value independence, but on the other hand, all you are spending your time with is helping people, um, you know, that are in a codependent situation. So it's always about how do we come back to our values? And then in this case, we also need to share our values with others and inspire other people to live according to their values, right? It's like encouraging people to walk their talk, but we have to be careful not to impose our values onto others or judge them for having different ones. This is so in our faces right now uh, on the planet. Um, so anyway, respect the diversity of perspectives and experiences on the planet while also valuing that you have your own perspective and your own values, but you have to hold space in your heart to have both. That's the duality of this planet, though, Colin, as you were talking about, right? It's a dual planet. We're holding duality in within us all the time, right? We have to have our own values, but we also have to honor everybody else's values, too. It doesn't make you right and them wrong. That kind of, of thinking causes trouble. It is also a time, though, at this gate where we may feel more protective of our loved ones more wanting to take care of them, which can lead to what I call smother mothering, where we're, you know, just like micromanaging every aspect of every minute of every day for our family members to make sure that they, they don't get hurt or they, you know, don't fail, that type of thing, which of course squelches their own experiential nature that you know people need to go out and experience the world for themselves so on the positive side this transit can help us strengthen our our um, bonds with those we share values with or share the same vision with and create a sense of belonging and community and on the other side it can become um you know a place where we really have to come back into alignment with our values while allowing others to have their own. And I saw something this morning that I wanted to share because, you know, I'm always alert to when the sun makes a move like this into a new gate, it's almost immediate that I see the impact of it in the outer world in some way, shape or form. And this morning here was a little clip of a speech. And this happened to be a speech that Biden gave uh, in uh, his Oval Office uh, uh, talk the other day, and it was about the conflict in Israel and Gaza. So I want to read this to all of you, not because I'm one way or the other, but because it, think about it in terms of how he states very clearly this idea of values, okay? So he says, the conflict in Israel and Gaza has resonated in the United States in grim ways. A six-year-old Muslim boy, Wadeya Al-Fayyom, died Saturday after being stabbed in an alleged hate crime about 40 miles from Chicago. His mother was also stabbed and seriously injured. Jewish Americans have spoken of a growing sense of dread amid increasing instances of anti-Semitism. The most emotional passages of Biden's speech addressed these problems. He demanded that both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism should be without equivocation renounced. Biden mentioned Wadia by name. 
He also drew a vivid picture of Jewish families worried about their children being targeted in school or being attacked themselves while going about their daily lives. In times of discord and conflict, Biden insisted, we have to work harder than ever to hold on to the values that make us who we are. We reject all forms, all forms of hate, whether against Muslims, Jews, or anyone, he added. Hmm. I can't make this stuff up, right? He's, he, I doubt seriously he knows anything about human design. But what he states very clearly there is that we have to live our values. We have to well, live. Somebody who wrote his speech knows something about human Maybe. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. Sometimes I think that because sometimes, you know, these people, they say these speeches and they're talking like they know astrology or they're talking like in this case, like they know the sun is moving into the gate 50 and, you know, it's all about our values and we have to work hard to live by our values, etc. Uh, but I thought we'd share that. Maybe we're moving back into a time when the rulers of all countries are guided by the astrologers they trust. Right, right. Who knows? It's so funny because I hear people all the time. I was uh, reading this article the other day that in the state of Pennsylvania, astrology can get you arrested or doing astrology readings or tarot readings or um, all those types of things can get you arrested because there's a law on the books that says that you cannot practice any form of they don't call it witchcraft, but something like magic or whatever, magical thinking. And I thought, you know, this is just one more instance where people are vilifying something that could really help them. Absolutely. And, and we're seeing this in the battle between natural medicine and <gasps> modern scientific medicine. The, the German government and the French government have been shutting down herb farms and herbalists like crazy in the past couple of years because those remedies are really truly making a difference in people's health lives. And the status quo of, of modern medicine does not want these people being successful at what they do. And it's actually, a, you use the word witch, it's actually a witch hunt. Can you imagine a government wasting money and and manpower going around and shutting down herb farms or people that are practicing natural medicine that that has just gotten to the point of absolute totalitarianism i mean it's it's unbelievable at this point in our in our yes. evolution it goes totally against our human design which is distinctly democratic in nature and i don't mean that as in a political movement but democratic leadership by um consensus yeah. versus authoritarianism which is where scarily it seems like a lot of people are trying to push us into again yeah. it's kind of insanity that's one thing that really bothers me about this world right this minute is you know people you know that are kind of fascists in hiding if you will yeah. or outright you know that way. It's kind of a weird world we live in. So this morning, we've had a ton of comments, right? So I'm sorry that I didn't read a lot of the comments this morning. But just know for all of you, we say hi and hello, and we welcome you here and are thankful that you are here with us today. That includes Tom and Debbie and Christine and MD and MD. I'm so sorry about the loss of your kitty, Linny and Terry and Pam and Christine Buckingham says this is a this planet is a paradise. 
just humans make it messy. <laughs> <laughs> there is that and um, uh tom 60 day 65 days till christmas oh my god i did not need to know that <laughs> janet, uh, janet please translate bleep this is why i like tom because he makes me laugh i you can fill in that bleep with any word that you choose tom it's good uh <laughs> amy d good morning to you and patty hello and uh, Pam, of course, we, we read that question. Oh, no. No, I didn't read this one, Pam. Zaruba says, hung out with two other energy workers yesterday. We got blasted with negative energy. So bad we were dizzy and had headaches. Thank goodness for Reiki and our abilities to clean up energy. Mm. Um, and Asa, good morning to you. And anybody else that I'm missing here? Londa, it's been so long. I'm so glad to see you out there this morning. And of course, Tom and dogma versus dom, Dharma, uh, Tom says. And, and we talked about the amino acid. I'm just making sure there weren't questions that we missed. Uh, okay. So um, Christine says, many archaic laws are still on the books. Herbal remedies are wonderful if pure. Many sell adulterated and contaminated fake herbal products, unfortunately, all to make a buck. Indeed. So we got to watch out for all those kinds of things, you know, because that happens all the time uh, in many different ways, whether it's foods or candles or whatever. Right. Sue McCarthy, good morning to you as well. Uh, OK, so let's pull a card, shall we? Do you have your little deck there? I do. So I love it when you get to pull a card because it just kind of proves to people that it's not just like me that it can pull a card and it has this magical connotation to what we're talking about today, uh, that it also happens when you pull cards. So that makes everybody able to do the same thing. And this is, of course, the Pleiadian deck. The um, You can show the, the deck in a minute with the name. Uh, energy of nine, which is harmony, nature, mm -hmm. resonance. To understand the energy of a place, feel the energy of the land through your hand and your foot chakras. So balancing us by coming back to nature in this time of feeling so very unstable and noticing the energy of where we're standing on the earth. Are we in our resonant place? Mm. And if you're not? If you're not, either energetically correct it, make it resonant or move deal with it right um okay yep. good that's a great card so i'm i'm gonna pull one more i'm just looking to see is there anything else to say about that i think i'm gonna pull a galactic heritage card as well this is by lissa royal holt and it takes us into sometimes i pull a pleiadian card uh sometimes it's from a different star system but i'm really into star systems right now I kind of like this idea that there are other beings in this universe that have gone through the things that we are going through and that have come through it quite wise. While, while you're shuffling, Janet, you uh -huh. ask if there's anything else. Uh -huh. The best use of this card is nature is your greatest asset for returning harmony to your life. I love it. So I pulled two cards because they kind of stuck together and I didn't realize it. So we have two. The first one was the light of awareness 
and it's called Orion Light from the Future. So these cards are kind of funky looking in the art. But the second one I drew was Holographic Healing, and it's Pleiades of the Future. Wow. <laughs> right? So Holographic Healing, Pleiades of the Future, and card 87, which is a 15, which is a 6. That sounds pretty cool. And then this one is also a 6, 105. Wow. Right? So two 6 oh, cards. 6 and 9, the one we pulled was a 9. Those are both uh -huh. divine feminine numbers. And they are very compatible numbers. Yes, yes. they are. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to run over nine o'clock here because these cards are a little bit longer to read. So if you need to go, I will totally understand. You can come back to the recording and listen to these later. So the Orion light, which was the light of awareness, lovely, right? Says, our true state of being is as a unified abiding awareness. This awareness contains no judgment, labeling, commentary, or opinion. <laughs> when we do deep meditation, we can access this state first for brief moments and then for longer periods of time. The consciousness of the Orion light represents this abiding awareness within us that transcends polarity. You may visualize this as a candle flame during your meditation. Work with this exercise to reconnect with your true state of being. As each person does this, the old wounds from Orion are healed and humanity can awaken. The last four cards of the deck access the energy called the Orion light, which connects with a very evolved era in Orion history, but represents so much more. They reference the complete healing and integration of not only the polarity within the Orion system that has affected us all, but the polarity that played out within the holographic matrix of creation itself. These cards represent the end game, so to speak, the return to the source in our natural state of being as one unified abiding consciousness. Once awakened, the illusion of polarity can no longer exist. Eventually, all of us on earth will have to accept that awakening or salvation comes not from anyone or anything outside of us, but through our own efforts to awaken ourselves. So clearly what needs to happen here. And if this, card, if this card appears in your reading, it is a powerful symbol that the Orion light, the light of awareness of creation, is strongly working with you for your own awakening. You may or may not feel it overtly. If you need assistance to tap into it, imagine a golden liquid light lake during your meditation and know that all aspects of creation, even the unpleasant ones, are made from the liquid light. Let this liquid light help you feel the unity that is your true nature and know that this liquid light resides in you too. Use the candle flame as mentioned above to access this awareness as often as you can. I love it. They used, they said that Albert Einstein used to meditate by staring into the flame of a candle. And he would get, like they say that his old theory of relativity came to him via that exercise that he would do. That's actually how I learned to meditate, Janet. Staring at a candle? Candle flame. Yep. That was my entry into meditation. Very cool. Maybe you're the reincarnation of Albert Einstein. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes her brilliance is pretty deep. Maybe. I love it. So the Pleiades, holographic healing. And this is the Pleiades of the future. And it says, Pleiadians recognize that all consciousness is holographic. 
When one part of the hologram is influenced, so is the whole, and that is the foundation of Pleiadian healing methods. True healing for humans, physical, mental, and emotional, adheres to this principle too. When we influence one part of our beingness, the whole is affected. This card encourages you to see your life experience holographically rather than as a series of separate events. Healing is in the now or in past lives affects the whole you. Healing in the now or in past lives affects the whole you. So each step you take towards your healing now will affect the entire hologram of your existence. In this introductory material of this card book, Germaine discusses the holographic nature of reality and how all beings are connected even while they are experiencing the illusion of fragmentation. This card refers to an evolved time stream of the Pleiadian civilization when they were well aware of the connectedness of all life and their science and spirituality, which are the same thing, reflect this idea. As humankind moves into fourth density, these holographic principles are beginning to be known as new healing methods that use the holographic principle. This card often comes up in readings for people who are healers, massage therapists, naturopathic doctors, and so on. If that is the case, then this card is acknowledging your healing arts and reminding you to always think of the whole in healing rather than separate parts. Think outside of the box, such a moon and Aquarius theme for the weekend. Um, if you are not a healer and this card came up in your reading, it is most likely a reminder to apply this holographic principle to your own inner work. Never assume that there is one thing to be fixed that is separate from your whole self. Healing is a process that affects the whole being and the true definition of healing is simply balance. Look at the whole picture and once again, let yourself see unity rather than separation in all healing. Holographic healing. That's a good card. That's great. I, yeah. I like that, that description. Yeah. This is this, a great deck. Yep. yep. So. So I have a thought about what you just read from that card deck. Mm -hmm. I used to have conversations with a really incredible man. Um, he was a, a physicist at the University of Oregon when, when I was there. 50 odd years ago when I was in my university training. And his name is Amit Goswami, and he's written a ton of books for the lay audience about quantum physics, about, about astrophysics. And just, he was, I, I think he's still here with us, but when we were discussing quantum physics and religion and science, one day, we simultaneously came up with the idea that when science incorporates spirituality within its understanding of what it's doing, that will change science. And that's exactly what that card just referred to. That and will change the world. Exactly. And I think that's exactly what's missing in science today is they've stepped away from spirituality. And once those two things merge, as they did in ancient times, it will be a completely different understanding of what science is attempting to achieve. So there is hope for this world. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Pia and Colin. And everybody, the link is still showing here for Pia's workshop coming up November 10th, 11th, and 12th. It's an hour and a half each one of those days. And follow the link to uh, register for that. 
Thank you both again. And we'll see you next month. Let's see, we're in November next month. It'll be the 17th, it looks like. Mm, great. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.